part of the Press Play Podcast Network. And welcome to another Red Guy and Rota podcast powered by MGM Northfield Park right here on the Press Play Podcast Network. Shout out to our fantastic producer, Ty Quartz, making sure all of you get this out there in the podcastosphere. And tonight, flying solo on the Red Guy and Rota podcast. So we're going to dive through some Cavaliers news and some Guardians news on this edition of the R&R podcast. And I'll start with the Cavaliers. In fact, as we're taping this, they should be tipping off right now in the Las Vegas Summer League Championship game, Cavaliers versus the Houston Rockets in that Summer League Championship game. And Imani Bates was just named to the All-Summer League second team for his performance so far in the Summer League, averaging about 17 points a game, I think, around six rebounds per contest. And he scored 20 in their win over the Nets to get them to the championship game. And Sam Merrill, congratulations to him. He is first team all summer league for the Cavaliers as he put up 19 in the win over the Nets to get the Cavaliers to the championship game. And you know what? Let's throw out, even though we didn't make first or second team, throw a little love towards Isaiah Mobley as Isaiah Mobley hit the game-winning shot in the uh, it's a unique overtime scoring system that they have set up in Summer League. It was the first one to 101 points after it was tied at 94 all. So seven points, first team to get to seven points. And Isaiah Mobley hit the game-winning shot to put the Cavaliers over the number and get the win. So Isaiah Mobley uh, doing very well in his second Summer League for the Cavaliers. So those are the three young guys. Uh, that have been playing well. I'll throw in Craig Cooper Jr. too, signs a two-way contract, undrafted free agent out of Wichita State, having a decent summer league. So the Cavaliers liking what they're seeing in their summer league so far, 5-0. and And like I said, as uh, I'm taping this podcast tonight, uh, they are in action against the Houston Rockets in the summer league. Now, some of the things they did this offseason, I liked some of the things they did. I was like, mm, so-so on, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, Imani Bates, I'll tell you what, where they drafted 49th overall second round, right? That's the only pick they had. They didn't move up. They didn't trade into the first round. Um, I thought it was worth taking a swing on Imani Bates right there. Um, a lot of hype for Imani Bates coming out of high school, right? and didn't live up to that hype, but now there's no pressure as a second-round pick, and maybe he can just settle in and, and play basketball and not worry about the pressures of being the next LeBron James because he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated like LeBron. So from that standpoint in the draft, I'm fine with what they did there. As far as free agency goes and what they did, uh, we'll start with Georgie Niang from the Philadelphia 76ers. Three years, $26 million contract to sign the 6'7", 230-pound small forward. Uh, he's good from beyond the arc. Uh, he has experience. Is he going to be a difference maker? Is he going to move the needle towards a championship? No, but he will fill a role coming off the bench for the Cavaliers, and one of the biggest needs they had this year was what? Looking back on it, they need to make three-point shots. They need to space the floor. And Georgie Niang can do that coming off the bench for the Cavaliers as he comes over from the Philadelphia 76ers. Did they overpay for him? Probably not. That's about what he could have got on the market elsewhere. Three years, $26 million. So what is that? Eight and some change per year. 
I'm okay with that uh, uh, pickup of Georgie Niang. Ty Jerome is an interesting pickup. Uh, four years in the NBA with Phoenix, uh, Oklahoma City, and Golden State, I believe. 6'5", 195 shooting guard. So he's bigger than both Darius Garland uh, and Donovan Mitchell. Um, two years, $4.6 million. Comes from a Golden State program. You like that? Um, I'm okay with it. He did well against the Cavs, I think, last year when Golden State sat all their guys. And so uh, free agency for the money, not a bad pickup right there. Again, is he going to move the needle, put them over the top? No, but he gives them some depth coming off the bench, which is nice. And they trade for uh, Damian Jones. He was with Utah last year, 6'11", 245-pound center. Can't be any worse than uh, the backup center they had last year, Lopez. So from that standpoint, those moves are, I'm okay with them. I'll give them... If you want a thumbs up considering their role players, I was hoping they'd be a little more um, impactful in some of their free agent moves. And they think they were with the trade for Max Struess, the Menage trade, as I like to call it, Cavs, Heat, and the Spurs. And the Cavaliers end up with Max Struess, 6'5, 215 pounds. Uh, they give him a four year, $63 million deal after making the trade. And Struess last year, uh, I think uh, averaged about 12 points per game, three rebounds. He's a hit-or-miss guy, and what I mean, uh, let me rephrase that. He's a hot-or-ice-cold guy, okay? When he's on, lights out, and we saw that numerous times in the playoffs for the Miami Heat. When he's off, oh, my, it's worse than Jetty Osmond at times. In fact, some people in Miami are thrilled that they got rid of Max Struess because he'll put up big numbers in one game and then go missing for the entire next game. Zero points. And so from that standpoint, his inconsistency concerns me. Does he fill the need of that small forward, starting small forward for the Cavaliers? I don't believe he does. He'll probably be that small forward that they start at 6'5", so they'll go 6'1", 6'1", 6'5". That's a small 1-2-3 still in the NBA. I was hopeful that they would land somebody. I wanted them to take a shot at Keita Bates D up from the Spurs, but he goes to Phoenix for about the same money they paid Ty Jerome. I, I like the upside of Keita Bates D up and his size and the position that he plays. I'm not saying he's better than Max Struess right now. The potential, I think, could be that he ends up better than Max Struess. But Kobe Altman and the Cavaliers liked Max Struess. They liked what they saw in the playoffs. He is experienced come postseason play. And so they go out and they trade for him and then sign him to that four-year, $63 million deal. They give up Jetty Osmond, Lamar Stevens, a couple of second-round picks. I think I saw today where uh, the Spurs ended up, I believe, with Lamar Stevens, and they're going to waive him. So if the Cavaliers want to go grab him back, uh, I don't know if that uh, – Within the rules of the NBA, if that's legal, we'll have to see if it is. Maybe the Cavaliers go down that path uh, and bring him back. But Max Struess, mixed reviews from yours truly on the trade and making him the starting small forward for the Cavaliers. let's, Let's hope that they're right, I'm wrong on that. And what they saw in the postseason, they think can be more um, consistent in their system 
with the Cavaliers. And then the other move they made, of course, was to bring back Karis LeVert. They re-signed him. I think they overpaid a little bit, but that's fine. Two years, $36 million. That's what, $18 million a year? I thought he was in the $14 to $16 million range, but he was their own free agent, 6'6", 205. He gives them some size. Hey, maybe they start him like they did in the playoffs at the small forward spot and bring Struess off the bench, or they rotate those guys depending on who's hot, who's cold. But that's the problem with both Levert and Struess that concern me, and that is they are both consistently inconsistent. We saw both of those players throughout the regular season and the postseason be a no-show and a big show, right? Help you win a game, help you lose a game. I need more consistency from Karis Levert. I need more consistency from Struess. Maybe experience will be the determining factor for both of those guys as with the Cavaliers and uh, the bigs that they have underneath, at least as of now. Not saying that the Cavaliers are going to trade Jared Allen, but we'll have to wait and see. The offseason is still ongoing, but you've got Allen and you've got Mobley underneath, right? So with those guys down low, teams are going to have to respect the low post play of the Cavs. Maybe that will open up some shots for a Levert, for a Struess, uh, on the floor at the same time maybe or with Darius Garland or Donovan Mitchell. So the, the one thing the Cavaliers, I will give them credit, is they address the need for shooting because that's what Struess is supposed to do best. That's what Niang does best. That's what uh, Levert is starting to do better, right? Ty Jerome uh, is a shooting guard, so they, they addressed the need for outside shooting, and they did so also with Imani Bates in the draft. So when you look at the starting lineup for the Cavaliers, Garland, Mitchell, let's say Struess right now at the small forward spot, Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, your backups are Rubio, Lavert, Okoro, Niang, and Damian Jones. You throw in there Ty Jerome coming off the bench with Dean Wade, um, Sam Merrill, Imani Bates, Craig Porter Jr. They're a little bit better than they were last year. Some may say they're a lot better. I'm not one to say they're a lot better. On paper, it looks a lot better. Will it translate to the floor? That is what we will have to see with the Cavaliers and the offseason acquisitions. Do I think they improved their chances of winning the Eastern Conference or an NBA championship? No, I do not. Do I think they improved their chances of maybe winning a first round in the playoffs? I'll lean that way and say, yes, I do. Only time will tell on that. So we'll see how that one plays out. But um, I hope they're not done. I hope they're looking at other ways to make this team better. They don't have a lot of money to spend. They don't want to go over the tax and pay the penalty because they want to save that maybe for another year or two down the road. So maybe in a trade, they'll be able to improve the team somehow, some way. I would like to see another wing added to this team, 6'6 or bigger, that can play some defense on opposing wings as well as maybe knock down the outside shot and create some points from that position. To me, it's still the weakest position on the Cavaliers roster, the small forward position. So that's how I see what they did this offseason. And uh, like I said, Michael and I will get back together in our next podcast. We'll get Reg's thoughts on what they did, and then we'll see if they do anything else to better their chances. All right, we'll get a break in right now. We'll come back with this solo edition. Uh, the Roadman flying solo on this Reg Iron Road podcast. 
Brought to you by MGM Northfield Park. Of course, we love MGM Northfield Park. And if you're looking for something to do, Northfield Park is your home for live and simulcast racing. Catch the excitement of live harness racing every Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday evening with a 6 p.m. post time. Where? At Northfield Park. And remember this, free admission and free parking every day at Northfield Park. We'll get that break in. We'll come back. I'll give you my thoughts on the Guardians' chances as the second half of the season is underway. Are they going to make the playoffs or not? Stay tuned. What's up, everyone? I'm Holly Wetzel. And I'm Tigers Powell. And we are your hosts of the Orange is Oranger, a Cleveland Browns podcast on the Press Play Podcast Network. We give you all the dog pound coverage that you'll need to get you through the regular season, hopeful postseason, and I'd say off-season, Tyvis, but is there really ever an off-season for this team? Thankfully for our podcast, Holly, there really never is when it comes to the Cleveland Browns. Don't miss our breakdown of each week's matchup, game recaps, and any and all news out of Berea to feed your Browns appetite. As we know, Holly, dogs gotta eat. Yes, they do. So hit that subscribe button and never miss an episode of the Orange is Orange Cleveland Browns podcast on the Press Play Podcast Network. Hey, everybody, it's Sam Amico from Cavs on the Break NBA podcast. Be sure to give us a listen for all your Cleveland Cavaliers recaps, analysis, breakdowns, draft talk, free agency. The list goes on and on. Give us a listen, Cavs on the Break NBA podcast. Looking for new insights on the Cleveland sports scene with a unique side of Cleveland sports history? Then you found the perfect podcast. I'm John Sable. And I'm Scott Sable, and we're hosts of the Sable Brothers on the Baseline podcast, a podcast about Cleveland sports, but not your typical podcast about the land's sports teams. Join us as we embark on a journey of sharing a unique and historical side of Cleveland sports history with the help of some former Cleveland sports stars and other historical figures. All right here on the Sable Brothers on the Baseline podcast, part of the Press Play Podcast Network. And we continue with the Reg Eye and Rota podcast here on the Press Play Podcast Network, brought to you by MGM Northfield Park. The Roadman flying solo here tonight. We talked Cavaliers in that first segment. Let's talk some Guardians baseball right now. Boy, you talk about the worst possible scenario that could happen to start the second half after the All-Star break. It happened for the Cleveland Guardians. They go into the All-Star break. Yeah, they blew a game against Kansas City to end the first half but they still had a half game lead over Minnesota going into the all-star break. And they were at even 500, even Steven 45 and 45. Unfortunately for them, they come out of the break. They lose three straight to Texas. That means a four game losing streak and Minnesota gets to play the crappy A's. They wipe out the A's sweep them. So the guardians go from being in first place by a half game at the all-star break to being two and a half out of first after three games following the All-Star break. And add insult to injury, Shane Bieber now with elbow issues. And he's on the 15-day DL. Came out today somewhere on Twitter, social media somewhere. I think it was Mandy Bell, who covers the Guardians for MLB.com, said uh, no surgery is necessary, at least as of right now. Let me throw that in there. She didn't, but I'll throw that in there. No surgery necessary uh, as of now. Uh, just rest for Shane Bieber. And uh, maybe in a couple of weeks, he'll, he'll start throwing again. All right. For those of you uh, who listen, thank you. For those of you who don't, besides the podcast here with uh, Michael Regai, 
Monday through Friday, we do the Kenny and JT show on News Talk 1480 WHBC. You can listen live at whbc.com or uh, ask your smartphone or your smart device to play WHBC, and you can listen Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 p.m. And it just so happens, and my partner isn't here to back me up on this, but before uh, you know, we went to uh, the end of our show last Friday with this Shane Bieber situation, I remember telling my partner, I said, look, in his last five starts, he's 0-3, JT, and he's got a 552 earned run average in those five games. Where I come from in all my years of covering baseball, that leads me to believe my my Butch Davis, my gut feeling is that he's not 100% healthy. Something going on there for him to lose his velocity, be 0-3, and have an earned run average closer to 6 than 5. And his earned run average, we're used to seeing that around three. So that's my antenna went up. Whoop, whoop, warning, warning, danger, Will Robinson, danger. All that went off. That led me to believe something wasn't right with Shane Bieber health-wise. So I don't want to say I told you so, but I did on the radio, WHBC. Shane Bieber on the shelf. This concerns me for a number of reasons. Number one, he's your ace of the staff. You're already down your second-best pitcher, Tristan McKenzie, and he may not pitch again this year. He's trying to avoid elbow surgery by resting and then rehabbing and hoping to come back in September. I'm not holding my breath on that. Cal Quantrill, who, oh, yeah, pitched in the World Baseball Classic and maybe came uh, you know, back too soon from his offseason to throw as hard as he could to help Canada win. Uh, guess what? He's been on the shelf. So your top three pitchers on the shelf, all injured. Aaron Savali is your only healthy starting pitcher right now, and he's been pitching well as of late. And the other guy that was in your starting five rotation, Zach Plesek, you sent him to AAA earlier this year. You cut him. Nobody wanted him. He's back there pitching I don't know if he's pitching well or not, but he can't be pitching that well, or they would have called him up with all the injuries. So out of your starting five rotation from when the season started, the only guy you have in there right now is Aaron Savali, who came off an injury from earlier this year. I I hate to be Debbie Downer here, but I'm not counting on Tristan McKenzie at all, and I don't think Tito is either. If he comes back, it's a bonus. The Shane Bieber stuff worries me big time, and I'm getting back to why this is a major issue. Number one, because he's your ace. Number two, we'll see if he can come back or not the rest of the year. But then number three, the trading deadline is August 1st. Who's going to want to trade for Shane Bieber now that he's injured? Right? If I'm a team out there, red flag is up. Red flag is up for Shane Bieber. What you might have been willing to give up to get him you're not going to offer that to the Guardians now. Heck, the Guardians, I don't know what they could get for Shane Bieber right now. Yeah, he has a year left on his contract, but what if this elbow injury is more serious? He needs Tommy John. He's out for all of next year. So right now, it hurts the Guardians as they battle for the Central Division Championship, and it hurts the Guardians from a trade standpoint, because they can't trade this guy now. If you're another team looking at 
a pitcher from the Guardians? Do you really want to trade with them? When you look back and you say, oh, shoot, they traded uh, Corey Kluber, and uh, he was hurt, and he's never been the same since, and they got the best closer in the American League for Corey Kluber. Oh, shoot, they they traded Sunshine, Mike Clevenger. He ended up having surgery. He's uh, We don't want to trade for it. They, they use their pitchers up, man. Those pitchers, for, for whatever reason, uh, you know, they – the innings, the miles, if you will, take their toll. I don't know if I want to trade now for Shane Bieber, even if he does come back and pitch this year. So it hurts the Guardians in two ways. Their chances in the Central and in getting a nice deal for Shane Bieber. Now, ideally, here's what you want. You hope that Bieber can come back from this elbow soreness, stiffness, inflammation, whatever the hell it is. And he does pitch well and helps the Guardians win the division and get in the playoffs because then that will raise his trade stock for the offseason. And it helps the Guardians get into the playoffs. Keeping your fingers crossed for that to happen. I'll be shocked if that does happen. Again, hate to be Debbie Downer. LeBron says, I only ask negative questions. Well, yeah, this is a negative feeling in my opinion, but right-handed pitchers, right elbows, velocity down, wins, losses down, ERA up, not a good sign for somebody just taking a few weeks off and coming back and being at the top of their game. I hope it's not Tommy John surgery down the road, but I'm worried about it. I'll just say that. So having said all of that, the good thing for the Guardians is they play in the crappy Central Division. Nobody wants to win this damn division. Minnesota right now, a two-and-a-half game lead. If Minnesota's any good, they'll start pulling away from the Guardians now that they're relying on all rookie pitchers, basically, to, to get them through, right? Gavin Williams, Tanner Bybee, uh, Xavion Curry started today. We'll see who else they call up. Logan Allen gets a recall again. Do they bring back? Uh, Zach Plesak at any point. And on top of that, recently, the bullpen, which numbers-wise was good, is like when they enter the game, it's like throwing gasoline on the fire. They cost them, what, one, maybe two games in Texas. So you can't count on them. And offensively, they're not great. Now, while we're taping this podcast tonight, they're in Pittsburgh at beautiful PNC Park, and they're blasting the Buckos 7 to nothing right now. And just what the doctor ordered, right? Guardians have lost four in a row. The Pirates, though, have lost three in a row. And they started uh, a rookie pitcher in this game. First big league start. They started a catcher. First big league start. So they're playing all their young guys. Hopefully, for the Guardians, they're catching the Pirates at the right time. And they turn that Pittsburgh losing streak from three games into six games. Leave Pittsburgh and get back to 500 before they come home to take on, uh, who is it, Philadelphia, and then I think Kansas City. So the good news, AL Central is the division you play in. You're not making it as a wild card. It's not happening. So you have a chance to get in the playoffs, but it's one chance. It's winning your division. And as long as the Twins don't want to run away and hide in this division, you've got a chance. And can you stay above water until maybe – Shane Bieber does come back until Cal Quantrill does come back. Do they recall Oscar Gonzalez to provide a little pop, uh, you know, from the right side of the plate? 
Are they going to be buyers or sellers? Well, if they go in the tank by August 1st, they're going to sell. If they stay in the race, I could see them trying to add a starting pitcher or a bullpen arm, and we're not talking uh, a Cy Young candidate. We're talking a veteran to give them innings so the young guys don't have to throw too many innings in their first year in the big leagues. That's where I could see Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff maybe going if they end up being buyers. If they end up being sellers, can they get rid of Josh Bell? If uh, this goes south quickly, can they get rid of Ahmed Rosario at shortstop because of all the shortstops they have down on the farm? Can move uh, Jimenez over to short and somebody to second base? We'll have to wait and see. So a lot will depend on what happens between now and the end of July because August 1 is the trading deadline. And we'll see where the Guardians are at that point, and that will determine whether they're buyers or sellers. My gut on this is telling me they're going to end up being sellers, unfortunately, because can you really rely on four rookie pitchers in the starting rotation? I don't know if you can. It's unfair to ask that of them. They'll get great experience, but are they going to be able to carry the staff? And is Aaron Savali then your ace the rest of the way? Let's see what Quantrill can bring when he comes back. So while it looked good going into the All-Star break, things uh, took a terrible turn coming out of the All-Star break with the news on Shane Bieber. And again, that's just my opinion. Maybe he does shut it down for a couple of weeks. He comes back and proves me wrong. Please do that. Please prove me wrong. Just again, it's my gut feeling on that all right that's going to do it for this edition of the reg Eye and rhoda podcast michael will be back with me for the next one that we do and we'll dive into not only uh the guardians and where they're at uh, the cavaliers get his thoughts on that but also we'll be ready to get it started for brown's training camp that's right football season uh will be upon us by the time we get together as far as training app go uh training camp excuse me goes for the browns And Michael, I know, will want to weigh in on that as well. All right, everybody, thanks for checking us out, as you always do, here on the R&R Podcast, brought to you by MGM Northfield Park, right here on the Press Play Podcast Network. Thank you to our producer, Ty Quartz. Most of all, thanks to you for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time.